That's right, everyone. We're doing the draft recaps for the Cougars League, and you're tuning into the I Get Buckets podcast. And we're up to number eight. This is team number eight. We're doing all of the reviews as quick as possible before we kick off NBA basketball for another season. Churning them out as quick as possible. Ten podcasts to do, ten to one. And we've gone to number eight. A fun one. We're looking at Team Dobes. Previously, a cage your look. Um, we're going to be hopefully getting all the team names kind of trickle in as we go. We've only really had one updated from the 10. Um, I'm thinking about where I'm going with my team name, but not going to give anything away just yet. But really excited to kind of see where people's uh, thoughts processes go. But um We'll talk about that as that comes in. What we want to focus on now is another 15 players that were drafted in our league, going through it all, kind of the feel for the team in general, where it's going to go, good t- picks, bad picks, the right picks, um, the wrong picks. I don't know. We'll see. We're going through it. I think off top, another competitive team. I think everyone's really done um, a great job. There's two teams, I think, um, as we go through that I might be a little bit more critical on, um, but a couple of teams I'm excited on. Um, as always, my opinion is very much um, <laughs> founded in um, success and failure and hot takes and, and, and low light, like um, <laughs> makes it, as always, people don't take too much of a, um, you know, take it, everything I say with a grain of salt. Um, it's all kind of just a, a bit of fun. And um, as we know, everything was bunched up so far last year. The way things break on critical days and, and things to get wins and losses kind of make some of the opinions in general, um, not a great or not a good, but we know sometimes the best team doesn't actually win. I think it has for the past two years, we've had someone separate and come up the top, um, clearly, but, um, yeah, we'll see. Sometimes a team can really just kind of hit form and have health at the right time. And we need to get there and be a part of the business end when you can at the end of 18 rounds this season. So, Let's get into it. Let's check in for another team for uh, Cougar Season 24. Interestingly enough, pick eight was uh, a pick that I kicked the tires on on trading on draft day, um, but not to be. Uh, an interesting position, I think, um, up the back end. Um, one that I think this year would be interesting in terms of wanting someone to fall a little bit and then getting on the turn, as always. Um but uh, yeah, I don't think it, people like kind of really stood out for me. I'll, I'll talk to why I wanted to kind of move down at eight um, on my podcast. But I think here, obviously, with the first pick with Tyrese Halliburton. So he's someone that I think has moved up into um, conversations for the first a first round pick on the back end, maybe early second, just based on, you know, the... Um, the trajectory he's had as like a, a leader of um, the Indiana Pacers going forward, one of the more bright kind of gems, um, you know, that teams would be aspiring to kind of build a, a core around um, with, with, with him there. I think he's just an interesting one knowing that um, I guess him and, and Sabonis are both two that go at pick eight and then pick 10 in his draft who were um, obviously compared to each other a bit because we've traded together, but two players that I think we see in the top 10 of a fantasy draft and, and players that are probably not in that conversation and in the top 10 of, of real kind of life where I think you can look at the other players who have been drafted and, and probably make a case for all of them, especially, um, you know, seven of them. You know, Edwards is maybe the other one who's moving in, but I think in, with, with fantasy, you know, you get someone like Tyrese here knowing that um, an average of 29.7 uh, last year is 
is really kind of the, the benchmark on what you want to kind of improve. I think the paces are going to be better. I think they've got interesting pieces, but everything kind of ticks around him. You know, he's young, he's healthy. Um, his shot's actually incredibly efficient for, for a shot that on the eye test feels like he doesn't kind of really kind of go through his motion. It, it's very quick and effective and um, something that he's, you know, really uh, shown to, to, to be able to rely on, long, I think, for, you know, his, his career moving forward. Um it all comes to me that I like. I really like Tyrese Halliburton. There's something about it when you say him at eight. You go, oh, like it doesn't. It doesn't, you know, fill you up as much as you know in confidence when you look at you know other players that go in round one. I think that's why you have to kind of look at a, a pick eight, nine, ten in the um, comparison of what you get early in the second round. Um, and we do that quite a bit on this podcast. I think, especially for this one, you need to. Um, I had Tyrese Halliburton at ten, so like I think it's it's round about that that mark. It's just it's hard sometimes. I think personally, if you look and get like super excited about um, you know having a cornerstone piece um, of your team as Tyrese Halliburton, as good as he is, as good as we've seen him to be, um, I think with health, it's going to kind of come down at the end of the year. Then he's going to be a top twenty player. Um, it's just you know how much do you think he's going to. Um, in the likelihoods, you know, be in that top 10 at the end of the year. And I think that he's less likely to a lot of the players who are um, in the top 10 drafted already. I think he's just a, um, it's almost a, a problem of uh, his situation. I, I don't think there was too many other directions to go with. I'm very happy that, you know, he'd, he'd go here and, and think on consistency and, and night in, night out that he's around the mark. Um, it's just, I think, yeah, victim of circumstances kind of where I was going with that one in terms of, um, even like Tatum would pick before, I feel like I'm just a little bit more comfortable of, of him being an elite player in the league and what he can do um, in that explosions. But we'll see how, um, how I guess, he goes throughout the course of the year. It's fine. It's just when, yeah, I think at pick eight, it's, it's, it's a hard sell of like, here comes the start of <laughs> an enormous beast of a team. And... The, the good thing is that you're able to kind of top up with Steph Curry next. So I think Steph Curry is, you know, awesome really here at, at, at pick 13. I, You know, there's not, again, not many two places to go here. You know, we're only really early in the draft, but I had uh, Steph Curry at 11. I do think, you know, the opposing forces of saying, oh, well, you miss out on this top bit. But I think um, when you start the draft, I think Steph Curry is very much uh, a notch ahead of, of, of people that are kind of gone after him in, in this round too. Just purely, I know injuries have been things that have kind of uh, occurred and we've seen since the out, but he doesn't have, you know, that injury cloud kind of hanging over him like some of the others that kind of, you know, have been historically as great as him. When you're talking about your Durant and your LeBron James, like, you know, I have them ranked above those two, you know, quite clearly at 11 here. And I think they're, you know, while the average is slightly less compared to, you know, he averaged 32.8 last year. I think overall, you know, his role, what they're doing at um, Golden State moving forward and what you can kind of just, you know, track record of what he's done. Like, I, I really like, you know, him over a few of the others that have gone. So I think you put the kind of Tyrese and, and Steph Curry together, you know, you've gone two point guards off the bat, but I'm not too worried about position just yet. Um, overall, I think you know it's it's it, it's a fine start, um, but yeah, it doesn't kind of just scream um, as much of the talent. I think if you say you know compared to like a Jokic and Pascal, um, but again, victim of circumstances. I think a lot of the teams here 
um, picking probably six, seven, eight, nine, um, have got a, had, had a difficult thing to do. And we've talked about it ignore, ad nauseum um, on the, the podcast last year and this year. So not too much more, I think, value um, or that can be kind of added to that. But yeah, I mean, I think that's just, just where my head at is when I'm ranking him. I'm like, oh, is Taris Halliburton a top 10 pick this year? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he is. He lands at 10 on my board, but it doesn't feel amazing. I kind of um, was hoping in his situation that, you know, let's just say I get pick 10. Um, let's hope that the order, or even like a nine, the, the order doesn't kind of track that where I can get him um, people that have fallen to me, to me. And then if I am drafting at like seven or whatever, maybe I can pick him up on the back end and then be super stoked about it. But I mean, the, them, them, the breaks, I guess. Um, but we, I mean, we move forward and in, in next pick's Brandon Ingram. An interesting one. I think he was injured a lot last year. When you look at his, I guess, total numbers, he missed a stint that I think you get forget about because the whole thing with Brandon Ingram last year, I think we've always seen this steady um, improvement into the last three years. I think he's been a real round three, four, five player. I think someone might have even got him late round four and he'd been a huge win for him last season. Um, he averages 27.2. This is in the context, I think, a few people saying, oh, well, he's um, done this in the absence of Zion Williamson. I think some of that's there. Obviously, He's relied on to do the scoring a lot more. New Orleans, as much as they had huge expectations and kind of started well, had dropped off and and really was relying him on scoring and a lot of the stuff. So I get why you go here. Um, I think it's it's just I don't know how much we're going into this season with New Orleans and like are we banking on Zion being hurt again? Are we banking on Brandon Ingram? just falling in, in, in into place with a similar role. I, I do think there's not really any danger of that because um, he's a fantastic player and I think his you know, credentials and the way he's viewed around the league is quite high still. But um, I think when you look around some of the other players around the mark, I'm just some of the things where, you know, he got stuck in Team USA, and I know that's it's not the, the best comparison, but I'm like, oh, well, when we're relying on this guy to do all this stuff, like where does it kind of sit us? They've got a lot of interesting pieces at New Orleans. I think he settles into a nice role, but I think he's more exposed to take a um, a step back than some of the other players in this um, same vein round three kind of um, look, if that makes sense. So I just had a little bit of trepidation when I was placing him going, oh, I don't really want to reach too far for him if there's other people on the board. I had him at 39. So, I mean, I think at... Um, 28 here the the gaps significant enough uh for me to be like oh wow i think he's you know a bit early um but that's just me kind of being quite down and i think like i think the fact that he averaged 27.2 it's more just a personal opinion um when you look at the likes of you know your Kyrie irving um you know your jimmy butler and i think we'll see with a lot of the teams it's like are people willing to kind of um, look at these older kind of aging out guys who have had real trouble staying on the court, um, I guess, over some of the other guys where you feel a little bit more comfortable with. Um, I think the thing with Ingram is I don't have an injury, huge injury concern, but I don't think he's as young and healthy as fit as some of the other guys to, to make me feel like um, I should be really targeting him above those um, aforementioned players. Uh, but yeah, I think that's where it is. I'm... Just flag me as a little bit concerned on where Ingram's going to land at the end of the year. That's just um, 
That's just my first kind of thoughts. Jade at LeBron, so no, I'm huge on. I think he's a huge ad. The concerns I have with, you know, Ingram as much as kind of where it's all kind of coming in day to day um, are not there with, with um, Jalen Brunson. I think we saw last year he was not really a sleeper. We all knew, you know, New York had paid him and coming in and what he's going to do. I think he, you know, went past all of the expectations of, of, of what he was going to do as a leader in New York, but also as a fantasy player. Um, I think, you know, a 26.6 average um, is super healthy and something that can be, you know, really kind of ticked up as well as we saw towards the end of, I think, the New York season. As much as they lent into it all year, I think specifically at the end when it got into to playoffs or when things slowed down, like, well, Jalen Brunson, he's got a lot more tools um, to score than, you know, your, your typical set-the-plate kind of point guard. Um, like, he, he really will be relied, I think, even forward. And I think um, having Thibodeau's trust and confidence is, goes a long way more than it does with some other coaches in terms of him really kind of leaning on you and, and it bodes well for fantasy, I think, in, in the direction they're going to go this year and trying to um, really settle in on kind of that next bracket um, teams and the elite of the East after kind of your Milwaukee and Boston. I think that's where they're targeting. I think he's going to lead you there. Um, I think there's an argument maybe then he could be the New York's best player. I think Julius Randle has a firm grip on that just because of his counting stats and his history. But I think, you know, Jalen Brunson as much as if not more like he's the future of the, the team. Um, and I just, I really like this one here at, at 33. So um, very, very happy to, to go on board there. And um, it pains me sometimes to talk too much nice stuff about a player wearing the orange and blue, but um, I'm happy to do it for him. <laughs> uh, Jordan Poole. Wow. I mean, he was a killer for me last year. Not in the way you expect, though, I think. There was a whole lot about, like, oh, he's good when Steph Curry's there and he's bad when he's not because it's like he's he's on off numbers of, of him kind of being on the court starting. If you really dive deep into it, it's not as, like, um, it doesn't correlate as clearly as you'd expect um, that when Steph Curry's there, he's good. Um, when he's gone, he was bad. He was, he was actually consistent over a huge course of the season on kind of um, being able to score a efficiently-ish to kind of make him really fantasy valuable. Where it kind of fell apart was obviously um, he had games where he just kind of really, really shot poorly. Um, He kind of shoots shoots early in the shot clock, I think. Um, He probably lost the trust a little bit of of maybe Steve Kerr and the collective. Started off the season was a really weird one. I think we obviously we wiped the slate completely clean now, and the reason why he's going this early is because we look at Washington from top to bottom and go, what are, who's going to score? What are people going to do? Jordan Poole was the man. He kind of has clearly been identified and brought into um, just, you know, <laughs> grab everything that he did in births for Golden State and give it like a 20% bump if the minimum. Like, So I think the fact that, you know, he was a frustrating player at, and that's, you know, saying it lightly last year, you know, he's 19.5 average, I think, obviously, can really kind of uh, explode up to your, you know, 24, 25. Um, I think just kind of banking on, like, he's going to be there, he's going to get the shot, so let's get him really early. Um, I don't think you can kind of, like, write that in stone, like, and cement it as, as like, this is um, a foregone conclusion. But I think, really, if you want to 
argue the other side of it. I'm not going to get too far. I think when you look at the roster and then you get an awakening again, like, oh yeah, like um, I knew, I knew he was going to walk into a role here, but this is ridiculous in terms of, <laughs> I think what's going to happen. Cause I mean, as much as, you know, people like Kuzma or other things, like I think um, Paul, sorry, John Poole is just kind of be able to to take over the offense and get as many shots as you want and really kind of bump that up. I'd love to see him take 20 shots a game. Um, while he's been streaky, like I, I think he's a better shooter than sometimes what, what we saw last year. Like like I, th- I think people know that. I think getting his head into a, a new space, I think is going to be good for him. 48's around the mark. I had him at 60. I think I was a little bit more hesitant um, based on just some of the things and the risk mitigation I wanted to go to. Um, but I knew someone was kind of going to go with it. And I think when you saw some of the other people go off the board, I'm fine with him going here. You really do want him to come good. I think he's, um, and without getting ahead of myself, you know, a real kind of wild card for your team. But I think it's calculated and I'm fine here. And I think it's, it's more fine because you kind of, going on Zach Levine, um, in your next pick at, at 53, who I think's, you know, quite, um, you know, st- I know there's the um, trade rumors. I think that's more just like Chicago being put into position to shake it up. I don't know what makes sense. I think he can help teams. Um, but with the money, like, I, I mean, I'd be drafting him with the expectation that he's going to be at Chicago and do what he did last year. Um, you know, an average of 25.8. Seems high, I think, sometimes when you look at his role and what he's meant to people and teams in the past. But I think that's what he is. Like, I think, you know, we're, we're getting some of the conversations come more to the reality when he goes off on games to say, oh, no, Zach Levine's a legit kind of elite scoring guard in this league that can do things that other people can't. Um, his shot is, you know, got to the point that's really, really reliable, needs to be defended. Like, um, I think, you know, I had him at 45. So to go to 53 here, I think is a really good um, pick. Um, obviously, he's at this point adding a lot of guards still. Um, but again, I think we'll see in the back end him kind of settling it out. And I think he's been on the chat a little bit worried about getting some of this dual position stuff. Um, maybe he's, he's worried and he needs some of that to come through. Um, but we'll keep tracking it as we keep going through the team here. Uh, Drew Holiday, another guard. Um, next one that was really weird because this was at the time where he didn't have a permanent home. He was, um, with Portland. Um, we all knew that that wasn't going to be his landing space. So I think you get a little bit of a bump here where people maybe aren't a hundred percent sure on when to go with him. So I think if you're putting in the mindset, like a contender is going to get him, a contender is going to play him what he did last year on 25.2 seems pretty healthy on what he can bring over. I think, I mean, I was one of the, Drew Holiday was one of the players when I plugged in the average and went, oh, wow, okay. Um, That's higher than what I expected based on my memory or my eye test of kind of watching Drew Holiday. Like, that means, that gives me even more confidence knowing that after what I saw last season and kind of the um, storytelling about his impact in Milwaukee and how they're going, like, it's still kind of, came down on our um, result sheet as a 25.2 average. I think Boston's a good spot for him. Um, I think it d- diminishes Derek White a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I think he's obviously going to be like a, a more like fantasy-friendly kind of Marcus Smart. I-, I wonder if 25.2 
feels high just because they're stacked a little bit in terms of um, they're starting five really and then even if you want to go into their, if you list off their seven, I guess now that, like Al Horford still will kind of get minutes. Um, but I mean, it'd be interesting with the guard rotation because they identified a need um, whether, and Peyton Pritchard just got signed an extension literally today, I think. Um but, you know, yeah, he's the guy. I think I'm, we're glossing over the fact that, you know, at 68, that's value for someone like him. I had him at 70 on my board with an asterisk on him, um, wanting to target a few guys before him just with knowing what team they were gone. I think I, I've lent into the risk too much in, in drafts previous and the fact that he, I just didn't know where he was going to go um, made me back off to the point where I bumped him down to 70 and say, oh, well, if we get to this point in the draft and he's still there, I mean, he's Drew Holiday. He's going to become value. So I think basically Dobbs has done that exact thing. We've gotten to 68 and said, oh, he's still here. Um, adding him now is value. And I, I, that's where I would think um, I would land with it as well. Um, yeah, I think he's going to he's gonna come up as, as – there's no way this is going to be a bad pick. Um, it's just going to be interesting what heights he can kind of get to. I think he's, his floor and his ceiling are quite tight together. Um, moving on, his eighth pick that he's added at number 73 here is uh, Jeremy Grant for the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, uh, Portland are going to be interesting. They, they're better than you'd think in terms of when I'm like, who are the wash teams this year um, who are rebuilding? And Washington, obviously, we just spoke about them. But a lot of other teams, you're like, oh, I don't know, they'd want to be better. Okay, well, Portland. Portland, you know, they've moved Lillard. They're really leaning into some of the younger players um, whether it's a Shade and Sharp and obviously a Scoot Henderson. But, I mean, they've just brought in Aiton. Um, they've still got Anthony Simons, who has shown a bit, and they've signed to a, a reasonable, you know, expensive contract, at least it was at the time. Jeremy Grant's still there. Um, I think they're going to be sneaky competitive. I guess the question is, well, with their, all the noise around here, or well, Jeremy Grant, is he still getting, like, what he... Um, you know, has, has shown to be fantasy-wise, which is actually, you know, a very impressive kind of top 50 player for the last couple of years. Um, I found him a hard one to place because every time I would kind of bump him over the, these guys and I'm like, I wanted to, to target early in the draft. It's like, well, it doesn't make sense for me to, to bump him, you know, too far down here because he's just, he's done so much good um, in the past few years. And I think his role in terms of what he brings and fitting in is, is, is quite... Um, safe, so I, I'm, I'm happy to kind of uh, look at him at this point. Not someone I was, you know, really excited to kind of target, but um, I had him at 74. I think 22.3 is, is is around, you know, what he should be getting again. Again, not someone that I think is gonna um, really take a, a leap, and I don't think you draft him with that expectation. I just think it's another name that's there to be taken that you can't go wrong with, I think, at this point. Um, less so than Drew Holiday. I do think there's a little bit more margin for error because they've got these guys coming up. But I think they're not taking his role, really. And I think um, he's going to only complement some of all the other one guys. And there'll be crucial times in games where I think they really lean on him for his scoring, um, given the the lack of experience with some of the other players. Um, and... You know, some of the players I think are a little bit more one-dimensional. Whether you're talking about an Aiden or an Anthony Simons, um, whereas I think Jeremy Jeremy Grant's not that. Um, 
I think he's a good player and he's a good add to a team. In fantasy, here's, here's the time to go for him. So it's all good. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, last season kind of hurt my um, valuation of him. I've, I've historically been very up and down on him to the point where if I give Valanciunas a, a rough trot on this uh, podcast, that's definitely a good thing for you. So <laughs> be stoked if I'm not stoked. <laughs> <laughs> on the pick because last time I didn't like it, he, he exploded. And then last year, I think I was pretty good on it and he came down to earth, average of 21.9 last season. Really healthy um, points total. Um, so I think you definitely keep that in the back of your mind given um, he, he really kind of played a lot of games last year and was healthy and, and you know, his, his role was very safe. I think the Zion Williams injury injuries, obviously um, something that you, you keep in your back in your mind. I think... My expectation was he did a little bit more scoring um, last season, and then I, I like continuously just kind of bumped him down over some other guys. I think there's a lot of centers this year that you can kind of look at and say, I really like your role. I like what we're going to do. I think Valanciunas lands in the back end of some of those guys that I, I like. Um, again, I think in the middle pack of this draft, Doves has gone very safe. He's picked him up here at pick 88, and I had him at 82 on my board. Um I think um, it'd be silly to think his average kind of dips under 20, really. Like, I, I like that mark. I just, um, I think he came back to earth a little bit from a fantasy perspective last year. And um, that's kind of the movement forward. And if Zion really kind of explodes, I know they run point Zion. And, but, and he's not like really the most fantastic rebounder um, or defender. And in Jonas, you can rely on some part for that. I don't think he's amazing either, but... Um, you know, he's shown he can kind of stretch the floor and, and do a few things and it's just safe. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Onyeka and Kongwu, he, he now takes a real kind of step. I think that's a lot riskier. Um, maybe he wants a couple of, of centers here after going guards, guards, guards. Um, I really like his game. He would be taking four rounds early on this if it wasn't for Clint Capella. Um, I think we had expectation last year that he was getting... You know, he was a breakout content, uh, I guess, um, candidate. And he went half of the way there. Like, he averaged 23 minutes. I think they can make more for him. Um, I think it all kind of down, comes down to Clint Capella and, and, and some of the expectation because you can't play the both of them. I know Inyeka and Kongu was, you know, if he was not second or third, he was almost the leader in kind of field goal percentage um, you know, at a certain point of the rim, he just he doesn't take a shot that's not point blank. Um, he has he's athletic and dunking. That obviously makes his flexibility to do a few things a little bit more blunted, um, especially if you want to pair him with another big person. But um, on like he's efficient. Um, his counting stats means that you know there's going to be no um, negative kind of impacts to to what his, his output he's going to do. I guess the whole conversation as well if you're picking him, you know, at 93. So is he inside the first 100? Um, I think it's a real risk. I think I would have been quite happy with adding him to my to my list, but I'm at 114. Um, I think you say the average of 18.5 last year should go up. Why wouldn't it go up? Um, I think there's just barriers that it may not go up immediately for the start of the season until they change things. Um, it'd be interesting um, with Quinn Snyder there, um, where, where they're, where they're going to go. 
I think it's a really interesting one. It's hard for me to go and give a firm opinion there. If anything, it 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 um scares me. <laughs> but um, we know the talent's there. We know the floor is there, um, and we we've seen it. Um, that I think it's a a real sleeper. So we've, I think if we've got Jordan Poole wildcard and Onyeka Komu sleeper, like he is, um, it's quite clear kind of roles for for Dove's team coming out. Um. For, for me, at least personally. We go another center. So he's gone hard and fast in, in, in bursts with his positions. Daniel Gafford's interesting. I don't kind of love it at 108, but I get why you would do it because, again, you're looking at Washington and saying, well, I mean, he's clearly their starting center, really, isn't he? I don't see a huge amount of competition. Um, but again, you're, you're drafting specifically to... Um, I guess role rather than I'm looking at Daniel Gaffin saying oh, he's a great fantasy player. I've watched him. I really like what he does. I mean, maybe someone would be able to say that, but I think that overselling <laughs> Daniel Gaffin and what he's what he's done and um, where he, he kind of just fallen in. So I get it. I think there's a real kind of pathway early where to to add someone that's going to get you know 28 to 32 minutes at center at a pick 108 just makes fantasy sense from a, a kind of statistical analytical way. Um, I'd be worried that he's not the starting center at some point in the season. Um, I know he's already injured, which is concerning, but I'm hoping that he's going to be back for training um, or uh, tip off. I think it's touch and go right now. I missed two to four weeks uh, with an elbow injury. So not ideal prep, not ideal time thing. That's not your fault. <laughs> He's drafted before the injury comes in. Um, but I, I, I still think when you look at the, the, the names around him, it kind of stands out. It's like, oh, okay, Daniel Gafford. But um, as I said, I get it. You, you kind of, you're looking at what he's going to do. I'm just a little bit concerned. I think next pick, Benedict Matherin. Again, like I, I think we're, we're getting at the back end of the draft where I'm, I'm happy to kind of, um, get on board with some of the, you know these picks. I think especially with Buddy Heald, um, you know on the fringes identified to be trading Benedict Matherin. I think he'll start at the shooting guard. I do think um, the Pacers are playing away to give him the opportunity. Uh, second season player. Let's build off what he did last season, where he averaged sixteen point three. You know if you can get that up, you know nineteen twenty, then it's just that's a massive kind of get here. I don't. I think he's a little bit one dimensional. Um, I know, obviously, he was uh, a scorer, get to the line guy, but I'm, I think from memory, his, his three-point shot really leaves a, a bit to be desired. Um, I think they've got a lot of kind of players there that it's it's not we're all on board as, as Benedict Matherin is a kind of a quarterstone guy. Um, I think he's a fine piece. If I was looking at him more in the kind of my last uh, couple of rounds. So I do think... It's early enough, then it could hurt you, um, because I, I I just don't think he's walking into a huge alignment. But he's the kind of player that could take a step where we we do a half year review and say, oh wow, Matherin was a great pick. I don't want to close that door uh, at all. Um, just personally, I wanted to take a flyer on him a little bit later. Going through as we kind of ran it out, Jalen Duran. I this one as much as more and more as I looked at. Um, 
the teams. I think he's, this is a really, really good pick, and I'm happy to kind of uh, go to town on that one. I think the expectation going in was like, Detroit have, you know, all these bloody options with big man, whether it's power forward or center. Um, are we 100% sure kind of he's the guy moving forward? And as, as the more and more, it, like, it's he seems to, to read or I'm like, yeah, he is. And I sh- should have kind of had that opinion before the draft. Um, like, I, I wanted him, um, but I had him again with Matherin as, guess, you know, a couple of guys I want in the last couple of rounds potentially. Um, so I think he's got at him at the right time, knowing that he'd probably go before his last pick. I think whether it's Wiseman or Bagley, um, one of those players, it seems, is, is the one that's kind of missed the cut. Like, I think they're like Duran, what we saw from him, you know, in patches, but really kind of that um, back third um, of his, like, his rebounding numbers per minute were like darling. Um, he's, you know, can finish around the rim. While he can go missing in some games, this, that stretch that we saw where he was one of, um, I think, my best fantasy player over a course of a couple of weeks, at least the most consistent one, um, which is not saying much sometimes, but really I'd have confidence that walking into day dot in a Detroit team that while it, the, the the roster feels a little bit bloated and they're still like got a little bit question marks or where are we kind of going outside Cade? And even Cade has question marks because he missed all of last year. I find Detroit a really hard team to kind of pin, but I, I think at this point in the draft and with Jalen Duran, you can feel pretty confident with with what he could do and the risk that you're taking. I know Isaiah Stewart doesn't even get drafted this year for us. Um, I, f- I feel really comfortable with this pick and for the price. I think uh, there's a real world where it turns out to be, um, you know, a borderline top 100 guy if things click um, the way it could. Um, I think he's a a Walker Kessler light in terms of everyone was on Walker Kessler for his role and the counting numbers and how good he was to the fact he got really high on here, I think I think Jalen Duran is it could be that mold. Um, so to get him here is real value. Round off the Sadiq Bay, I'm a big big Sadiq Bay fan. I think he's his game just kind of is 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 nice. I think the way he can score his shooting numbers. Um, I think he shot forty percent when he got to Atlanta last year, which makes me confident because that's what I was hoping for as we went into the season um, with with Detroit. I think. Again, I've just mentioned Detroit. He was a real hard one last year. I thought there was a massive role for him in the wash of, you know, real question marks there. Boyang Bogdanovich, I think, really took that role away from him and he kind of was an afterthought. I think Atlanta, it's not an ideal situation either for him with kind of all the people they've got. I know, like, um, the whole Cam Reddish thing isn't there anymore. Um, but, you know, there was a few things on just where do we get the minutes from to give Sadiq Bay. I think he's got a more... Um, locked in role. Obviously, I think they paid him to kind of be there as like a sixth man guy. I wonder how consistent he can be for you. Um, I had him, you know, just outside my top 150 as not really being drafted, 158 this year. Um, but I'm only a year removed for, I think I got him in pick 70 because the eye test on what I thought he could do really sold me. Um, I don't love the fit. But um, it might still be there, at least in a fantasy way is what you want. So we'll see. 
And then we go into our last uh, pick to wrap off uh, this year. And Jared Vanderbilt for the Lakers is fine, I think, because he fits into their five. Um, his whole like regular season guy rather than playoffs. I you know I'd be interested um, if there's other options in free agency. And I think he's consistent, like you'd be like bang out 16, 17s. I don't know where the ceiling is is for him and his role. Um, maybe Joe's sees a little bit more. Um, I think it's a fine pick without me getting like super excited, knowing you can kind of do something if it doesn't um, fit in. A fun. Th- this has been the most fun team out of the um, the three so far because I think there was a couple of players I could really kind of expand a little bit on, um, which you know is makes for a better co- podcast. Meds makes for um, me being a lot more wrong potentially, but I think. Going up and down, obviously there's a few middle, I think, when with Holiday and Grant. You're like, yeah, they've just been taken at the right spot. But other ones, whether it's your Brandon Ingram or Tyrus Halliburton um, or kind of um, on the back end, you Matherins, really, like, they could go uh, a couple of different directions that are really going to um, predicate where this team's going to find. So I think the variance here is really interesting to, to talk about going in. Um, and it's a wait and see. I hope this one's been fun. I've enjoyed doing this one. Um, another one down. Seven to go. I'll be counting down every time we do one, um, just so you remember. But um, shout-outs to everyone. Hope, hang on. Before we go, I need to do my best pick and my worst pick. I already said what the sleeper and the wild card is. Um, I think Jaron Duran is best pick. Um, I'm happy to really, really get on, on that. I think the more I look at it, the more I like it. Um uh, it's it, it's hard with the heart. Um, the worst one. I think I've given my thoughts on a few other ones, and I'll go with Daniel Gafford. Um, I'm just worried that he becomes a free agent, and as much as I always say, you can you can get rid of people easier when they don't cost you as much in the last three rounds. I think in around eleven, you're really leaving something on the table if you can't. Um, if he doesn't, you know, walk into this solid starting center role, just given the fact that a Derek White or a Clay Thompson, Mitchell Robertson, Mark Smart, Miles Bridges, they're all players that have gone after that I think are upside-wise um, more interesting. Yeah, perfect. All right. I'm glad I remembered to do that. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Um, count down the days. We'll catch you on the next one. Cheers, fellas.